Our reading this evening is from John chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the Son of Destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think that everybody has, at some point in their life, some perhaps more often than others, that fear of being left out. That fear of not being on the in, not being in the know, having some people in your life who share an inside joke, or some common experience and you miss out on it. Nowadays, there's this acronym for that, FOMO, the fear of missing out, which is one of the things that drives people to be so constantly engaged in social media, for instance. The fear of missing out, the fear of missing some joke, some bit of news, some piece of information, the fear that there might be some point where others are talking about something and you have no idea what they're talking about. They're laughing about something and you have no idea what they're laughing about. It's a painful kind of a thing. In fact, that's what makes an inside joke so powerful. It doesn't need any explanation to those who get it. And it excludes everyone who doesn't. It draws a sharp line between those who are in and those who are out. As painful as it can be to be left out, we all know how delightful it is to be put in. That is, to be in the know, to be a part of the inside group, to have close relationships that are not shared with others, to have a close circle. We know how good that feels, first of all, because it means that someone knows you and you know them. But there's also something inside of us that loves that because it keeps other people out. There are others who do not know and who are not known. That sense of wanting to be on the in and not being left out, that is a strong sense that we all have inside of us. And it often leads to great misery and suffering in our world. When you're not with the people you want to be with, or when you're desperate to be with someone that you want to be with, when you're desperate to have the attention of some famous person and you can't get their attention, when you want to be with this group of friends and they won't pay attention to you, it's painful. It's miserable. I think our perception of that, how painful that is, harkens back to a more fundamental feeling of left out, of being left out that we experience. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You know how the story goes. Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree and they were driven from the garden. They were driven from fellowship with God. They were sent away. They used to be in and now they're out. And beyond that, what they used to share with one another, this fellowship, this intimacy with one another has been broken. Now they're afraid even of one another. They cover themselves in front of one another. They've been put outside. They've been left out. And it is their own fault, and it is our own fault that we are left out. Every one of those parables that Jesus tells, which ends with people cast into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, people who don't make it into the wedding banquet, people who disobey God's word and so are thrown out, it's always their own fault, their own most grievous fault, that they would not receive the invitation, that they would rather be outside than in, but then they feel the pain of being left out. It's a dreadful thing. Something I think we're all aware of at various points in our lives, sometimes more often than others, certainly, certainly towards the end of life, when those you love begin to die, when all of a sudden there are fewer and fewer 
who make up your circle of friends, your circle of people, people with whom you can be on the inn. When they diminish in number, you feel it. You feel that there's something missing, some fellowship that is missing. It's the cause of sin. It's because of sin that we feel that at all. It's because of sin that we don't know what to do about it. It's because of sin that we look for fellowship and strive after fellowship in all the wrong places. Trying to gain the attention of people in this world, people who are somebody in this world, trying to gain the favor of people in this world, it's looking in the wrong place. The pain that we feel inside of ourselves for being left out is a deeper pain. And it goes back to the loss we experienced when we were alienated from God. This is what makes John chapter 17 so precious. Here in John 17, one of Jesus' most intimate prayers, one of his most earnest prayers, and it's all about you. He prays for you. But he does not pray for you as someone who is distant from you. Someone who in a far-off land or someone who just heard about you might pray for you. Someone who knows what you're struggling through and may ask God on your behalf. He doesn't pray for you in that way. He prays for you as someone who desires to be one with you. Not just close to you, not just near you, but one with you. He prays for you as someone who longs to be your dearest, your closest, your most intimate, the one who knows you best of all, the one who is known by you best of all. That's what he desires for you because he knows that that is life for you. I revealed your name to them. That's what he says to his father. I revealed your name so that they might have eternal life. You've given me this authority to give eternal life to all flesh, and this is what life is. It is to know God. To know God and his son, Jesus Christ, and to be known by him. Think about what a marvel this is. We can be desperate at various points in our lives to be known by somebody. And to know somebody. But think about this. Your Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. He is the one who is not keeping you out, not putting up barriers, not separating you from Him and His inner circle of friends, but who is opening the door and inviting you in. Who is drawing you close to Himself. Who is drawing you into His closest circle so that you can be one with Him just as he is one with his heavenly Father. He draws you even into the divine life of the Holy Trinity. What an amazing thing that God would want to be so close to people like you and me. What an amazing thing that God would love us so much, that he would find so much value in us, that he would long so desperately to be so close to us that he would be willing to pay such a great cost of humiliation and shame and misery and death just so that he can be with you. It's an amazing thing, and it is the whole point of the season of Lent. To marvel, really. There's lots to learn about Jesus' suffering and death and crucifixion and resurrection. There's lots to learn about that, but really, the season of Lent and Easter is about marveling what wondrous love God has for us. Trying to wrap our heads, really, trying to wrap our heads around this fact. That God wants you to be close to him. 
Keep that in mind as we make our way towards the crucifixion of Jesus. Keep that in mind as you watch the disciples abandon Jesus when they see him suffer. When the pressure rises, when things get difficult, watch as they leave, even though the invitation remains open, come to me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Watch and see that the invitation, his desire to be close to you, never ends. Even when Peter betrays Jesus three times, even then Jesus draws him back. So desperate is his love for Peter, so desperate is his love for you. I don't ask only for these, those who are standing in front of Jesus, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. In the last days of Jesus' life, as he was hanging on the cross, as he was breathing his last, as he was uttering sighs and calling out to God, he was thinking about you. You, individually, you personally, by name, you were on his mind and in his heart, and for the joy that was set before him of having you, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Thanks be to God that his love is so abundant and so amazing. Pray to God that day in and day out we may grow up into this love, that we may learn more and more the depth of his love, that we may more and more reflect that love around us, that we, being one with him and with his Father, might bring others as well into that wonderful unity, which will be in eternity of joy and righteousness and peace. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.